for Rod and Karen and for their, for their ministry, for their open armness, for the way that they are faithful in preaching your word, in sharing your gospel, and, and showing your love through their, through their lives and actions. Father God, we, we lift them up to you now in, in their tiredness and illness and the busyness of what's going on for them right now. God, we ask in the name of your son Jesus that you would bring healing. We ask that any flu, any cold be gone in Jesus' name. That they would be released to do your work. They would be released for your glory. We thank you for the opportunity they have to rest. God, we pray that they would, uh, they would know the goodness of your presence and know your spirit at work in their lives and speaking to them in this time. In your son Jesus' name, we ask all these things, Father. Amen. Amen. Big. I'm big Rod and Karen fans, as I hope you all are. So, Donald Trump gave a State of the Union and said, you can be whoever you want to be in America today. Theresa May uh, was speaking, I think in China, or somewhere, somewhere like that, saying... The British people have voted for change. In this world, we are desperate for change. As, uh, as Christians called to minister the gospel, called to partner with what God is doing, his salvation, his hope, as those been given the ministry and the message of reconciliation, as Paul describes in Corinthians. We are in the business of change, right? Be reconciled to God. Move to a different place from where you are now. There is hope. You can be a new creation. You can have a new life. You can have a new start. You can have a new birth. All those things. Yet, I don't know about you, sometimes, no matter how much I feel like I'm faithfully following Jesus, I can feel a little frustrated, a little powerless. And today I want to share with you a word that... I'll be honest, some, oh, every time when I come and speak to you, it's normally either something that I've prayed and sought God and I felt like that's what he's wanted me to share, or it's been me following on with a series that Rod's been doing. Today, I just want to bring you something that God's been speaking to me about, something that I've been working through with my community, if that's okay. And I hope you can learn from it, because maybe you recognize some of these situations. That person in your life, it could be some homeless person that you walk past and want to show love to. It could be a family member. It could be a friend who is always asking for money. And you feel that constant pull of wanting to give, but not always being sure that giving that money is helping them out of that situation. Or maybe that friend or family member who, even when you give them all of your time, just as you're about to leave, they just say that one comment that makes you feel guilty for not quite giving them enough. Or that person you're helping that's vulnerable, that seems to, every time they have a crisis, call you. And it's always when you've just got in from work, or you're at the end of yourself, or you're really tired, and you just think, wow, I'm looking, I'm looking at Jesus, I'm looking at his self-giving and his sacrifice and his love, I'm following that call to love and giving out and giving out and giving out, and yet, I feel burnt out and tired, I feel like I give what I've not got to give, and I don't feel like it changes the people I'm trying to help. Has anyone ever been in one of those situations? 
Yeah, I think that's called being human. If you've not been in one of those situations, well, how do we help people to step forward? Well, one of the things that, um, that I've really been praying through and working through is how Jesus responded to those in need. How Jesus responded to the vulnerable and needy around him. And actually, Jesus, as ever, is as provocative and mischievous and adventurous as, as he ever is when you look at this. So we're going to look at Luke 18, and we're going to read quite a chunk today. We're going to read from verse 15 to 43, and we're going to cover four stories of Jesus responding to need, sharing hope, sharing love with people. Here we go. Luke 18, 15. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lacked. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he'd become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with men is possible with God. And Peter said, See, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, There is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God and will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come. He will receive eternal life. A third story. And taking the twelve, Jesus said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spat upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said. Last story. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus... Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. What surprising, provocative stories, yet again, from Jesus. 
First of all, there's the story of the religious expectations of what Jesus should do. He was a man on a mission. He was the teacher. He was the word made flesh. And why would he waste his time with the little children? Yet, that's not how Jesus sees it. Jesus is open-armed, welcome. He doesn't follow the expectations of what should be done. He shows compassion and love. That's maybe a story that we're used to. That story of the the openness of Jesus, something we we might want to try and emulate. But the next story, Jesus sends away a rich man disappointed. He doesn't lower the bar of the calling. If that story happened in 2018 with most church leaders, and we said, you need to sell everything you have and give it to the poor because your possessions have possession of you and your heart. And that rich man started walking away. I think most church leaders would be calling after them. Oh, oh, okay, how does 20% sound? How about 15%? How about 10%? But no. Jesus says this many times. The road is broad that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to eternal life, and few find it. Many are called, but few are chosen, Jesus says. The kingdom of God has big, wide, open gates, but they don't lock and trap people in, and Jesus was happy for people to walk away. Jesus left them the choice to walk away. It's quite an interesting story. Here's the third story. Jesus shares with his disciples about the cross. And he just confuses them. And they don't understand. But Jesus doesn't then feel the need to to justify it or go into it. Actually, the cross is central. And he has this sense of, they'll see eventually. Actually, the patience of Jesus, he waited till after the resurrection when they went, ah, okay, It's in the Gospel of Luke that we have the road to Emmaus where there's some disciples actually walking with Jesus himself still not getting what had happened. And then the fourth story. Really interesting story. This beggar, it's probably Bartimaeus as is described in Matthew, fights through the crowds, comes to Jesus and then Jesus asks him what he needs. It's obvious, right? Why does Jesus do that? Jesus does a profound thing. Jesus gives this man the power to choose. Here's a man who's had no control over his life. He's been excluded and set apart, both physically but also socially, because of his his illness and what he's lived with in his life. And yet Jesus gives this man the choice to choose how he'll move on. And actually sometimes giving someone the choice is more powerful than just meeting the need. There is just this outrageous love of God that we follow. Yet sometimes when we try and give our love to the people around us, we don't feel like living sacrifices. We don't feel like disciples of Jesus. We just feel like martyrs. We're resentful of the people that we love. We're resentful of the people that we help. And it doesn't seem to help them. The thing is, Jesus had proper boundaries. Healthy boundaries let the good in and keep the bad out. That's what a healthy boundary does. Yet some of us are just boundaryless. We let all the good and all the bad in. 
And it leaves us worn out and frustrated and actually doesn't help the people that we let in sometimes. Some of us are the opposite of that. Some of us have got walls, not fences. And we keep the good and the bad out. And we have real separation. And actually that interruptibleness of Jesus, that approachableness of Jesus, is not there. See, Jesus has all these boundaries. He's happy to send people away. Yet, people are still drawn to him and attracted to him. You notice that? People don't come to him because he's a yes man. They come to him because he offers them the chance to change. So some of us have those walled boundaries. Some of us, through, often through abuse and pain and things that we've been through, have the opposite of functional boundaries. We have boundaries where we let the bad in, and yet we never let the good out. Often that shows itself in that we live lives where we allow people who are needy and vulnerable to just attach themselves to us and take lots of our emotional energy without helping themselves. And yet we never open up and ask other people for help. We're always helping others, but never receiving help ourselves or opening up. I want to explain to you just in four principles that I've noticed from these stories and from Jesus, how Jesus' boundaries work. And I think they're different than the boundaries of this world, than how maybe other people would would manage it. We're not talking work-life balance. To be a disciple of Jesus takes your whole life. Actually, at work, you are in your most fruitful position, often for the gospel and for mission and for sharing God's love. What were the four principles? First of all, Jesus has outrageous generosity. Jesus was so interruptible and approachable and gave of himself so much. And actually for Jesus, this does go into financial principles as well. We can often really wonder what to do with our finances and be very hesitant about giving. But Jesus spoke a lot about money and finance. He spoke a lot. He says, he, he tells a parable about using your wealth to gain friends. He talks about how if you have two coats, give one away. He talks about the, the surefire way of being rich. The surefire way of being rich is to give away all of your worldly wealth to others and accumulate treasure in heaven. That's how Jesus talks about generosity and giving. That actually when it comes to the poor and needy and vulnerable around us, we are called to be a generous people. And in doing that, we are reflecting the heart of God. But this principle is underlined by some other principles. Second principle is outrageous grace. Jesus always demonstrates outrageous grace with people. And I think we know and experience in our lives and as churches the outrageous grace that says everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. And Jesus shows that approachability, right? The outcasts, the lepers, the unclean, the children, the forgotten, the women, the disabled, the people who even in our society today can find themselves marginalized and shut up and forgotten, Jesus welcomes to himself. Yet, that isn't the full picture of what grace is. The grace of Jesus doesn't just say anyone is welcome. The grace of Jesus says anyone can change. Anyone can change. It doesn't matter how long someone has been caught in their sin, in their brokenness, in their addiction, in their habits, in their illness, 
in their moral failures, they can change. The woman caught in adultery, Jesus says, go and sin no more. That grace that says, you can change. You can be different from now on. The, the people who come to him with different diseases, the woman with the issue of bleeding, the people born blind, the people who've had lives chained down by physical impairments, Jesus often doesn't respond, first of all, by saying, your sins are healed, your, your, um, your illness is healed. He responds by saying, your sins are forgiven. Think of the paralyzed man let down. The first thing he says, your sins are forgiven. You can change. You can move on from this place. There is no sickness or sin that God cannot break. And actually, when we look at some of the most desperate, broken people, people who we've spent years investing our emotional energy into, people who've been caught in cycles of addiction and brokenness for years, they can change. No one is beyond the arm of the Lord. The third thing is that Jesus offered outrageous choice. Outrageous choice. Uh, I've been involved in some stuff with Citizens UK, and one of the things they say in their training is that you have the justice that you have the power to compel. That often the root of brokenness and struggle and poverty is injustice, is inequality. People not having a voice, people not being able to change their situation or be able to speak up. Jesus, Jesus cuts right across that and he gives people the choice. He gives people the choice. Do you know, Jesus is asked 307 questions in the Gospels, and he gives three direct answers. Jesus doesn't often respond just by meeting people's needs. He responds by giving them the choice. And the fourth one is outrageous community. Outrageous community. Something to notice about the pattern of Jesus is that the needs that he met, even these stories... Jesus didn't meet on his own. Jesus was with his disciples. And often when we try and help vulnerable and needy people, particularly in church, we often do it one-to-one. Whereas actually to involve more people in that, it shares the burden, it offers more wisdom, it's more helpful for the person. So to do this in community is a really profound point of what it means to be the people of God. Some of the most challenging people that we face that we might not see a way through... If we do it together, I tell you, we can see more change in their lives. But actually, there's another part to this outrageous community. I think of the prayer of Jesus in John. Jesus prays to Father God and he says of his disciples, I have not lost any that you have given me. Jesus regularly went away with his disciples, spoke to them, went to pray, asked them to come pray with him. And actually, in the boundaries that we have, it's really important that we safeguard the ones we love, our community, our family, that when we're giving to others and when we're helping others, that we don't do that and neglect the other relationships that we have that that God has given us. God has placed those things within our hand. When Jesus talks about judgment, one of the main images again and again and again that Jesus comes to of how we will be judged is stewardship. How have you used what I have given you? And that includes our family and our close relationships. How do we use those? Do we neglect those in pursuit of martyrdom? Because actually that isn't what God would call us to do. We love people together, but we love those around us as well.
I believe setting these sort of radical boundaries that Jesus had of outrageous generosity, grace, choice, and community, they're the right framework to help people not just be met in their immediate need, but to help people find restoration, to help people find renewed relationship, really healthy relationships, and to help you and the person you're helping find rest. It's a really practical sermon, but I think it's something that the more we try and reach out with the love of God, the more we can often come across these issues and not know what what to do or how to respond to the need around us. And I just wanted to share it with you today and hope that it helps you and encourages you and equips you as much as looking at the life of Jesus has inspired and encouraged me. Is that all right? Yeah? Was that helpful? Yeah? Um, I've got a little, like, practical tips on this. If ever you want to get that, um, or you can get my email address, and I can email you some really practical tips on setting boundaries. But we're going to leave it there, and we're going to worship God together. So why don't we stand and pray? Jesus, we want to see the sort of change and transformation in people's lives that you saw. So Jesus, we ask that you would equip us with your love, and you would help us Help us as we help others. Help us set those healthy boundaries. In your name we ask.